When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Good evening, Bunk Funkers. Thank you for joining us on this critical episode of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. We have a lot to get to and not much time to do it, so I think we should just jump right in here. Bunk Funkers, there has never been a better time to consider your options for life insurance. (laughs) And for the price of a cup of coffee a day... You could pay me to make sure that you don't die. <laughs> you will protect people with Andy Life Insurance. Is that uh-huh. what this is? Yeah, it's called Andy Life. How many clients do you have? I, mean, I have none. Oh. But I really think that it's more of a marketing issue than it is anything else. I'm offering ironclad policies. Uh, I'm offering great protection for your life. Mm-hmm. I think that in a lot of the press, I've been sort of dubbed as the angel of death. But if you really look at it, that that all stems from a pilot program, Mm -hmm. proof of concept for Andy Life Insurance. And I was given 10 people signed up, proof of concept. I paid them instead of them paying me. Proof of concept. And I said, I will protect your lives. And all 10 of them died within two days of signing up. But (laughs) I want to point out that... Similar to anything else, uh-huh. not all life insurance policies protect against everything. Right? Sure. It would just be crazy if insurance did that. So I, I'm i only human, right. first of all. I want to point that out. That and how could you have known that uh, those people would have died from giant Acme pianos being pushed on their heads from a rooftop where someone may or may not have seen someone with a similar silhouette to you? Right, exactly. And though people have questioned... Why I would sabotage my own proof of concept for my business? I think it's a fair question. Why would I do that? I really have no incentive to do it. Well, I think what we're learning here is that maybe some people may or may not maybe here don't know how insurance works or forgot for a second. So, um, you know, I don't know. It's just, And I also, uh, I've been accused of just wanting to have people sign up so that my life is in their hands so that I can feel powerful and take that away from them. 
<laughs> that's true, Andy. And that But does... you can trust me, bunk funkers. I'm not a psychopath. And you know that that's true because a real psychopath would never have to tell you that they're not a psychopath. Yeah. You wouldn't suspect them. That's right. If you, yes, a real psychopath usually will admit that they are a psychopath. Right. Immediately. Right. Um, now, Andy, that does relate to today's topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a leap. Uh-huh. Is an it? An analogy. Okay. Uh, but you have to think of it as you bunk funkers. You're like my clients at Andy Life. And... Your bodies are like temples. Wow. And if we let mangrove forests infest them for too long, you might your body might get destroyed. Sure. And so I'm like uh UNESCO mm-hmm. and I'm protecting the world's uh treasured locations from decay. At to today's topic, which is the site of an unexplained ancient civilization, non-Madal. Well, the site is the, the civilization's explained. It's the site itself that's unexplained. Right. Nan-Madal. That's what we're talking about today. Nan-Madal. Here we go. All right. We're there. That's the topic. That was the stretch. That was how we got there. Beautiful segue. It was perfect. Um, we do have a bunk bunker to thank for today's topic. This is a very fun um, Easter Island, Great Pyramids, Coral Castle-esque kind of topic. Yeah. Like those. I don't know what to call those. Ancient sites? I don't know. Megalithic building. Megalithic buildings, ancient aliens. But we do have a bunk bunker to thank. Um, probably the most bunker. prolific episode suggester in the history of this podcast. She's known as the Oracle. The Oracle. And for she has foretold and foreseen many a topic. Yeah. And they've all turned out to be home runs. Fucking bangers. Fucking bangers. So uh let's let's pour one out for pour one out. Uh and celebrate our friend, That's our right. bunk bunker, Erica. Thank you, Erica. Um keep them coming. Yeah. We do have we do keep a list. Yeah, we do. Your name's on there a lot already. Yeah, <laughs> of stuff that we still have to get to, but that's right. Um, but we will get there. Coming. Keep them, keep them coming. We're, right. we're we're making our way. We're making our way downtown. Uh, faces pass, right? And we're homebound. That's right. Um, now, if you can't wait to get not homebound but non-modal bound, um, if you're ready to set off for the Pacific Islands, that's right, Micronesia. Um. You, of course, can find the timestamp, which is in the show notes, which will take you right to when the research begins. Yeah. Because first, Andy and I need to talk about how we got abducted into the bunker. This, this, this one's a little embarrassing. Is it? To me. Yeah. I suppose you're right. Starting to have some regrets. Wow. I Even after you got that tattoo? I think the tattoo was less. No regrets? No regrets. Yeah, it says no. Cross your... Cross your tummy area? Yeah, but it's back. It's mirror writing. Like an ambulance. So it's said seg tegger. Seg tegra. On. On. <laughs> seg tegra on. <laughs> um, well, Tegar. Andy, I mean, this week, you know, you and I were 
we decided to go for a little run together. Yeah. We thought, hey, you know what? You know what would be fun? We always sit around when we're together. We're always sitting. We're just never doing anything active. We're never moving around. I've it's never been sloths. much of a runner personally. Yeah. I'm not big on running either because I get but shin splints. You suggested it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, you know what? Why not? And it was a good opportunity. So call you Hillary Duff. Why not? Yeah. It was a good opportunity to learn about something that I don't know that much about art of running yeah (laughs) so much to learn about a basic body movement modern trends in running i guess that's true so we did you know i like a lot of lore in running there's just kind of you're just gonna do it yeah but (laughs) i do think that for both of us we like to be prepared when we go into something of course we never want to look like amateurs right right we're professional in all matters yeah we want to we want to we want people to know that we know what we're doing and that sure. we research what we're doing. So we did some research and we spent a lot of time buying gear, shorts that were very short mm-hmm. because you got to leave room for your legs to work when you're running. Yeah. Uh, we bought, you know, neon colors so mm-hmm. that we're visible on the side of the road. Lots of nipple tape. Yeah. Plenty of nipple tape. Um, shirts where the nipples are actually cut out. Right. Um, yeah. because we don't want to get that nipple chafe. That runner's nipple chafe is a real thing. It's very famous. And it's real. Um, so we, we really bought cool ankle cut socks. Yeah. Because um if you can see your socks when you're running, you're immediately a dork. Yeah. Nobody you look look, I mean the ankle bone is so fucking cool. The seventies called, they want their socks back. Right? Like we gotta these need to be ankle cut only. We were looking at all the hottest, latest running tech and running shoes. Like you were thinking about, we we immediately, well, we eventually decided to get those um those Vibram toe shoes. Yeah, because those are fucking sick as hell, dude. Yeah. Like your toes on your, it looks, it looks like you're running with bare feet, like a frog. Right. Just running upright in bare feet, just like a frog. We've all seen frogs run. And these toe shoes really help you look like a frog. But we were shopping through Nike, Puma, Asic, Adidas, Adidas, um, Adidas, Under Armour, maybe mixed running shoes. Under Armour. We were looking at uh, everything under the fleet. New Balance. New Balance. Uh, Reebok. Reebok. Who could forget Reebok? Not me. I'm not, not allowed to. But we we did decide on those Vibram running shoes. We got cool fucking Oakley sunglasses. Right. I mean, we were so proud. We got camel packs, fanny packs. Jock straps. Jock straps. You don't want your junk hanging out from those short shorts. Well, you don't want it swinging around. It hurts your aerodynamics. Right. Got to have it, you know, pinned where it should be. I got a little. I got a little of the dong tape so that I could dong tape it back. Tape. You know, we got reflectors, reflectors, we reflectors got, on our behinds. Mm-hmm. We got uh, those, you know, those things that you tie that have the reflectors on them that hang down. Uh, sure. We got those safety whistles. Yeah, safety whistles. Which water bottles? The point is, you blow that. You blow the safety whistle the whole time. Um, we got water bottles, camel packs. That goo that they eat for for long distance marathon runners eat that like fucking like calorically dense goo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been uh, we were carbo loading. Yeah, we, we ate, had a big pasta meal the night before. We ate pasta for every meal for uh, a few days before we went running. 
Well, we don't want to run out of energy. Right. We spent a lot of time. We spent a lot of time trying to uh, plan a route. <laughs> you know, you got to optimize your route. I think this is the mistake a lot of runners make, right? <laughs> they go out there. They have no idea where they're going. I know. And they end up in some bad situations. That's right. So we, of course, we're going to post about it on social media. So we had to find a route that's safe, but also looks cool. Yeah. It had to make a cool design when you zoom out on it on Google So Maps. it took us like two days to come up with a route. The route did look like a Pac-Man ghost. Yeah. Blinky. Blinky. Yeah. <laughs> that's right that's the same fucking wavelength right there bugbuckers that's how you know we were ready to go on this run right yeah so we were eating our caloric we were eating our pasta covered in caloric goo and we ate so much caloric goo i was eating eighteen thousand calories a day (laughs) because i forgot to stop eating the rest of my meals too so i was eating my regular meals plus carbo loading on pasta sure covered in caloric goo um we uh we had our cool blinky route planned out. <laughs> and then finally the day came. We got up bright and early. Yeah. 11 a.m. <laughs> and we decided to go for a run. So we put on our gear. Yeah. Taped up our nipples. Taped By back that our time, dongs. it was about 1 or 2 p.m. <laughs> After we did the taping. Yeah. And uh, we had set a couple up. of caloric goose. <laughs> the worst thing that could happen is you could run out of energy. <laughs> So we felt pretty prepared for this um, half a mile run <laughs> that we were about to embark on. And uh, yeah, yeah, we uh, we, we got started on our route. We were so excited. Um, we only made it to about, you know, halfway through Blinky's right tail. Right. The skirt. Fringe of the skirt of the, of the ghostly shape. Yeah. Before we started to get really tired. Um, yeah. And this is, every runner knows this is a dangerous situation to be in. Uh Uh-huh. So, we downed some more caloric goo. I brought some pasta in my fanny pack. (laughs) We shared that. I had a few slices of lasagna. (laughs) We were so fucking prepped, dude. We were so prepped to run. When all of a sudden... This fucking giant squirrel. Biggest squirrel I've ever seen. Biggest squirrel I've ever seen. This was a man-sized squirrel. Beefiest arms on this fucking squirrel. Yeah. And a really buff tail. Really muscular tail. This motherfucker comes out of nowhere. He must have... I don't know. Maybe there's like nut products in some of that caloric goo. Yeah. Well, I did have pistachios in the lasagna. Oh, you had fucking pistachios. Pistachio pesto. This fucking giant squirrel starts beating us with its nutsack. Yeah. And this big sack of nuts. This Yeah, this squirrel just had, you know, how squirrels keep their nuts stored. Right, in a sack. Yeah, and so this squirrel just starts, you know, whips out his nutsack and just starts wailing on our faces, just smacking our faces around with his nutsack. And then it started burying us in the ground. Yeah. Like, we were a couple of nuts. Like, like a couple of nut jobs. Like, we're a couple of nuts. <laughs> like, we're two nuts. Yeah. Getting buried. Right. They buried our nuts. Like what people say about us. They yeah. say, oh, those guys are nuts. Oh, they're 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 nuts. They're a couple of nutty dudes. Those yeah. guys are nuts. Yeah, we've seen all those comments on our social media pages and right. in the reviews. Oh, there's a couple of nuts. These nutty guys. A couple of nutballs. 
Um, well, anyway, we were buried in the ground. We started to wake up. We started digging, clawing our way out of the ground. Yeah. Like friggin' zombies. Yeah. Coming back from the dead. And wouldn't you know it, we dug right up through and we were here in the bunker. Well, Turns we, out that fucking squirrel was Mr. Bunker. That squirrel with the huge, believe it. That huge buff squirrel with his giant nutsack. That was Mr. Bunker. It was a squirrel suit that he had made by sewing squirrel skins. Yeah, he and that nut sack was just a sack full of nuts. Just a sack full of nuts. It a had a lot nut- of fucking nuts, though. Yeah, so I can only assume that he found squirrels hoarding nuts, killed them, and then stole their nuts. We can only assume what that sick fuck is up to. We never got to go on a run. Ugh, and that suit smells so horrible. <laughs> I don't think he cleaned it. No, I don't think he did. I don't think you know how to dress and clean that those uh, animals properly. Their their hides. He's not a tanner. Yeah, let's put it that way. Yeah. He. Uh, well, we're in our fucking running gear. We're all ready to run. I mean, now I'm just feeling. I'm like way too fucking famished. I could I couldn't run even if I wanted to. Yeah. I'm gonna need at least four or five caloric goose. Yeah. And a fucking plate of spaghetti. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, like. Yeah, I'm gonna. I mean, I have to lay down for a while and eat rigatoni for about 35 minutes before I'm going to feel ready to do anything else. <laughs> well, a run, because God knows, you know, yeah, I, I don't want to get all prepped for this run and then not go do it properly. Yeah, yeah. If you go go out there and you lose energy, you don't have good form. You yeah. might get lost. That's right. That's how you, you get could fall down. Points. Yeah, that's how you get shit. You got to be adequately prepared. Well, Bugbuckers, you know what? We're ad- adequately prepared for today's topic to give you the freaking whole enchilada on today's topic, which is non-madal. Yeah. We feel very ready for that. Yeah. So we'll do that. Because of how much caloric goo we were eating. <laughs> That's like a shitty fucking improv name. Hey, we're caloric goo. Can we get a suggestion of a time you felt sad? <laughs> But bunkfuckers, don't be sad because I think you're going to love this topic if you love ancient history mixed with a little bit of aliens, mixed with a little bit of like uh, David Childress uh, wearing fucking hot little shorts. Hot pink shorts and no shirt. Showing off his nice little yams. Um, But we think you're going to love this one. This is uh, Nan Madal here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Oh, that's good goo. Mmm. Caloric goo. Bunkfunkers. I hope you brought your sensible shoes today, because we're going on an expedition. Today, we're setting off in search of the secrets of the ancients and their megalithic building prowess. Our ultimate mission is to find the greatest treasure of all, knowledge. Hey, I'm ready to go, Andy. I got my Skechers Tomb Raider Edition sneaks. I'm ready to get down and dirty in some ancient sites. You know, nobody makes a pair of shoes more suited to hiking faraway places in search of lost tech technology of ancient humans than Skechers. Truly, Skechers and their Tomb Raider edition shoes are a great brand. But as for us, today we're going to be... What was that? 
Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! It's happening! We're being home invaded and we're not even at home! My worst fears have been realized! Hi boys, it's me, famed archaeologist and explorer, North Dakota Johnson. Who? What? You've never heard of me? I'm a famous college professor who's always getting disciplined by the administration because I'm rarely pre present to teach my classes, and even when I do actually teach my classes, my students don't learn much? <laughs> It's honestly kind of surprising that my career as a college professor is even part of my lore at all, considering that I'm even more well-known for looting antiquities. You just straight up steal stuff from archaeological sites? Oh, yeah. That's the only way to really get rich in this field. Steal stuff from historic sites and then sell it on eBay. Huh. Okay. So, uh, why did you break into this bunker? I heard you were going to steal the treasures of ancient peoples. My Johnson sense was tingling. So what kind of treasure are we stealing? Knowledge. Or uh, maybe the whole enchilada on the topic, but that's really more something that like, we deliver rather than obtaining through theft. Knowledge? I can't sell that on eBay. I'm about to fail both of you guys from my class. No, don't! I need that class to graduate. I'll do anything to not fail this class. Anything. Andy, don't get bamboozled again. Remember what my favorite British invasion band, The Who, said? We won't get bamboozled again. You're not even in college. Hey. Yeah, that's right. I was dishonorably discharged from college several decades ago. Fuck you, North Dakota Johnson. <laughs> ha! I love being called out. Maybe I will stick around. Who knows? I might learn something about where to loot next. Well, for reasons we're not going to talk about, I'm not sure it's such a good idea to loot the topic of today's episode, non-Madal. We're going to get into the details, but to put it briefly at the top for those who aren't familiar, Nan Madal is a megalithic city built on more than 90 artificial islets, which sits in a coral reef off the coast of Temwin Island, which itself sits off the coast of Pompeii Island, which is in the Federated States of Micronesia. Whew, I'm out of breath. I mean, that was supposed to be brief. I would have just said big buildings, fake islands. Oh. Big buildings, fake islands. On Spike TV. <laughs> uh, and now, Bunkbuggers, it's time to release our dear old friend. You know him. You love him. The History Hog. Wee, wee, wee. Wee. Eek, a hog. I hate hogs. A hog. Why did it have to be a hog? That's just a history hog, baby. On goink. Get with it, Dakota Johnson. If you're going to, for North Dakota Johnson, if you're going to stick around, you need to fucking roll the way we fuck you. So here's a little background info on Nan Madal. <laughs> Uh, and starting, uh, starting first with, uh, you know, where it is today, which is in the Federated States of Micronesia. Now, the Federated States of Micronesia is an island nation in the Pacific Ocean, in Oceania. The country has about 607 islands that stretch across nearly 2,700 kilometers of ocean water. It's almost 3,000 kilometers north of eastern Australia and about 3,400 kilometers southeast from Japan and about 4,000 kilometers southwest of the Hawaiian Islands. Um, but the Federated States of Micronesia itself 
is a pretty recent thing, just gaining its independence and becoming a sovereign nation in 1986. The history of the area and of Nanmadal goes much further back. Archaeologists suspect the earliest inhabitants of the island of Pompeii were Lapita people, a group of Austronesian people. Austronesians are a large ethno-linguistic group of peoples in Oceania, Southeast Asia, Madagascar, and Taiwan who speak Austronesian languages. Austronesians, by the way, were the first humans to invent ocean-going sailing technology. So you can probably guess they weren't flying airplanes to Pompeii when they arrived. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's right, Andy. They were sailing. Uh, most likely from parts of what are now known as the Solomon Islands or um, Vanuatu. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they sailed to Pompeii and uh, set up shop in the hot, wet climate. Ooh, baby. Oh, my God. I can't even tell you how wet Pompeii is. Mm. Mm. So fucking wet. I'm talking up to 300 inches ung, of rain in the mountainous areas. This is some WAP. Wet-ass Pompeii. <laughs> mm. Yeah, book bookers, if you, if you visit, bring a bucket and a mop. So what Art told you is the archaeologist egghead suggestion and also, hey, it's creepy rain fetish stuff. Ooh, yeah. But if you ask the locals, well, they might tell you a few different things about how Pompeii was founded. Perhaps they'll tell you that legends say the island of Pompeii was created by 17 people from somewhere far away to the south who piled up a bunch of rocks on the coral reef. Or maybe they'll tell you about a man and a woman from uh, Wiseo who... Wiseo? I assume it's Wiseo. Wiseo, uh, who found a rock on the coral, sailed back to Wiseo to get a basket of soil, and eventually built the island through making presumably a lot of damn fucking trips for soil. I mean, holy shit. Now, regardless of how it actually happened, the basic story is generally this. Some ocean voyagers find something on top of the coral Build a stone altar, a pihai, or pehi, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, on top of the coral, and then build the island around the altar, hence the name Pompeii, meaning upon a stone altar. This newly minted Pompeians um, established a structured tribal society, organized into five tribes. With each tribe having two primary chiefs, the system was a feudal one, uh, where basically all land belonged to the chiefs and had complete authority over the tribes. And, hey, by the way, it's not like these were five tribes all working in cooperation as some kind of unified Pompeii. There were tribal conflicts and warfare. Things on Pompeii changed around the year 1100 CE. That's when a couple of sorcerers showed up. <laughs> they were twin brothers named o Olisipa and Olisopa. They arrived either from western Katao or... Kanam Waiso, uh, which were both mythical locations. The sorcerer bros showed up in a canoe <laughs> looking for a place to build an altar to worship the god of agriculture, Nanison Sapwa. Since there was no altar, the brothers set out to build one. And that little altar became the foundation of what would grow to become Nanmadal. The Pompeians were super friggin' impressed with the construction skills of these fucking badass sorcerer bros. More on that in a little bit. They asked Olashippa, what is it, Olashippa and Olashopa? Yeah. To marry into the local society and become the joint rulers of Pompeii. When Olashippa died of old age, Olashopa became the sole ruler, called the um, Saudelaire. Saudelaire. <laughs> Saudelaire. 
Yeah. The elder of the Dip Wallop. Dip, uh, Dip Wallop. Dip Wallop. The Great Clan. Alasopa had a big old family, and his heirs became Sau, Sau Delers, Delers after his death. The Sadalers became rulers, but kind of just positioned themselves at the head of the existing tribal structure on the island. The Sadaler became the new feudal ruler, owning all the land and leasing it to landlords, which oversaw workers. Even though it was a similar system of rule, this was the first time in their history that Pompey's various people were all united under one government. The Sadalers introduced a seasonal tribute system, as well as a form of island-wide government splitting Pompeii into three states, each with its own constituent administrative areas. The Saudelaires used Nanmadal as their capital and became the expansive complex of megalithic buildings and canals that we know today. During the time of the Saudelaires, Nanmadal was home to chiefs, priests, and common folk to serve the chiefs and priests. The Saudelaires used Nanmadal not just as their own exclusive conclave, but as a way to control rival leaders from throughout Pompeii, making them live in Nanmadal, where the Sotolaires could keep an eye on them. Nanmadal was home to the elites of society, you say? Hmm, baby. That sounds like good looting. Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, anyway, since we know the legend says the sorcerer bros came to Pompeii looking for an altar, it's probably not surprising that religious ceremonies were an important part of Nanmadal's function right from the start. Interestingly, the brothers came looking for a place to worship Nanus and Sapwa. So when they assumed control of Pompeii, they tried to get the rest of the inhabitants to worship Nanus and Sapwa. The Pompeians were like, nah, we're good. And worship of the deity never really caught on. So instead, the Sautilers adopted the worship of Nansapwi, the thunder god. Nansapwi was already a popular god on Pompeii, and the Sautilers used Nansapwi to legitimize their rule. That is... Their authority was then divinely derived from Nansapwi. Nanmadal is also home to an extensive mortuary complex that spans 58 islets. So while this all sounds like a wet, hot island paradise, ooh, baby, mm. ooh, so wet, yeah, uh, things eventually took a turn. The Pompeians got mm, kind of pissed at all this tribute to the Sotheller's bullshit. They're like, fuck this, dude. The people were starving while the Sotolaires were living like kings. Damn hell-ass kings. Close? Yeah. Okay. Close. But for all their supposed uh, piety, the Sotolaires were uh, also, uh, they also offended the gods. There are differing versions of what happened, but here's the general idea. Nansapwe, uh, the thunder god, and the very popular deity of on Pompeii, had an extramarital affair with the wife of a Sotolaire ruler. The Sotolaire lord was hella pissed. Uh, you know, he was no fucking cuck. So uh, the, the lord came up with a scheme to put Nansapwe in jail and to get people to stop worshipping Nansapwe. When Nansapwe finds out about the plot, I mean, he's pretty friggin' steamed, okay? I mean, it's like this guy's trying to, like, you know, front on him. He's just trying to get a little piece, you know, a little side booty. Right. I mean, listen, maybe he shouldn't have done that, but it's like, you know. These are adults, consenting adults. If his, if my bro wants to get his fucking dick wet, I mean, ooh, yeah. All nice and wet. <laughs> Things that are wet. So anyway, he flees uh, Pompeii uh, and heads to the mythical land of East 
Katau. East Katau. Which corresponds with the actual island of Koshai. At Koshai, uh, Nansapwe gets a baron that is a uh, is unable to... Gets a baron? Oh, unable to bear children, member of his tribe. So a relative pregnant. Okay. I understand now how this sentence is written. When he's on this mystical island of Koshai, Nansapwe gets a barren member of his own tribe, a relative of his, pregnant by feeding her a lime, which is, you know, where babies come from. Right. That's <laughs> the classic story we've all known and loved from health class. And, and while we've all watched citrus-based incest slash unlikely conception videos on Pornhub or in our family VHS collections, we've never seen one that ended like this with a woman giving birth to a demigod. Wow. And this incestuous half-divine child learned of his destiny while still in the womb. To avenge the wrongs done to non Sapwe by the Sodalers. The child grew to become the warrior. The warrior is so collectal. Uh, one day, Isokalekal sailed from Koshai with 333 men, women, and children, and the group made their way to Pompeii. Though sources differ on how things went once Isokalekal and company arrived, eventually war broke out between Isokalekal and the Sodalir. Isokalekal was able to oust the Sodalir from Nanmadal. Some say the Sodalir Lord retreated to a stream on the main island of Pompeii, transformed into a fish, and still lives in that stream today. What an old fucking fish, huh? You fucking said it, dude. Anyway, Isokalekal uh, assumed rule of Pompeii, including Nanmadal, which also became his capital, taking on the title of Nanmarquis, uh, a title still used on the island today. Um, in fact, non Marquis of, oh boy, uh, Madolen, Mando, Madolenehuim. That's my best guess. <laughs> the first among equals of Pompey's five chiefs is directly descended from Isokalekal and is seen by many as the legitimate overseer of non Madal today. Now, even though Isokalekal and the other non-Marquis lived at Nanmadal, the site eventually became abandoned. According to local legends, Nanmadal fell into disuse after Isokalekal saw his reflection in a pool of water one day, saw how fucking old he's looked. He's old-ass, wrinkly-ass face like when Mr. Krabs saw himself in the mirror in that episode of SpongeBob and he saw how fucking old he was. And just like Mr. Krabs, wow, I mean... Caused him to commit suicide. He's yeah. like, I'm so fucking old. Just like Mr. Krabs. Just like. That is definitely how that episode One ended. One of the darker episodes of SpongeBob. It's true. Today, Namadal is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. That was only designated in 2016 as sometimes called the Venice of the Pacific. Venice is a great place to steal stuff. Ow! Oh! Ah, fuck. You whipped me, you dick. Fuck. Oh, oops. Sorry. I thought the safety was on. Well, anyway, let's talk about the construction of Nanmadal. Look, we're going to talk about how Nanmadal was built, Bumpfunkers, but let us level with you up front. Nobody really fucking knows how the Pompeians did it. This is a real archaeological noodle scratcher. Ah, God damn it. Fuck. Put that thing away. Sorry. Jesus. Artificial island construction was practiced on Pompeii from about the 8th or 9th century CE. Megalithic construction began appearing around 1180 or 1200 CE. Uh, this was a big construction time for humanity. 
Nan Madal was being built around the same time as Notre Dame Cathedral and Angkor Wat. So a lot of a lot of big projects going big on. Big stuff globally. going on. Archaeologists believe the big basalt stones used to build Nan Madal were obtained from a volcanic plug, which is uh, not an anal toy. <laughs> volcanic plug. Right. Uh, but it's basically a hardened magma buildup on an active volcano. So just hard, rock hard fucking magma sitting on top of a thing that's just about ready to bust. I remember that scene rocked. in Moana when the rocks character shoved that anal rock into his ass when they put a rock inside the rock. Remember that? I didn't see Moana. Oh, okay. What happened? But Google if you it. see a volcanic plug and you put something in on the other opposite side of the earth, it could cause it to erupt. Wow. Because little people don't realize this, but volcanoes go all the way through the earth. Mm-hmm. So there's always a volcano on either side exactly on the other side of the earth. That's yeah, the earth's butthole. Right. So uh, they pulled these basalt rocks from this magma, uh, from this uh, volcanic plug, uh, which was on the other side of Pompeii Island. Uh, the island, Pompeii, by the way, is almost the size of New York City. I'm quarrying volcanic rock over here. Come on. The Pompeians took these blocks, which take on natural, you know, geometric shapes and built them up like friggin' Lincoln logs. Uh, they constructed walls and built foundations of platforms in which they built thatched buildings. All told, there are 130 buildings on the site. The population of Pompeii at the time would have been around 25,000 people at most. And the people there did not have access to pulleys, levers, or even metal. Despite all that, the Pompeians were able to move and construct 750,000 tons of rock. It's a lot. It's a lot of rock. That's bigger than the rock. It's bigger than the rock. Also, these buildings were so well constructed atop the coral reef. The stones were so expertly sunk into the sea floor, they've remained stable for over nearly a millennium. So while it's not definitively known, some eggheads believe the Pompeians quarried the blocks placed the blocks on rafts, floated them over to Nanmadal, and used palm tree trunks to maneuver the blocks onto log ramps where they were dragged into place. Now, to be fair, attempts to recreate more manual methods of transporting stones like those used in Nanmadal have generally not been successful. But hey, it's the egghead take on Nanmadal. If you talk to locals, they might tell you a different story altogether. Hopefully it's about how fucking wet their hot little island is. According to legends, when the sorcerer fucking bros, Olasipa and Olasopa, uh, arrived on Pompeii, they used their fucking badass sorcerer magic to levitate huge blocks to build the altar off the coast of Temwen Island. They also had help from a flying dragon. Maybe you've heard of them. Very cool critters. Love dragons. I don't know about you, but I think this is about 8 billion times more rad than the boring-ass egghead explanation. Yeah, I'll take the flying dragon, please, thanks. Now, of course, some other Pompeians might say that people from Koshai, who built the megalithic Layla complex on that island, moved to Pompeii and put their skills to work building Nan Madal. But, according to the eggheads, Nan Madal predates Layla, so it's more likely that Pompeians went to Koshai and showed those chumps what was up with basalt building. In a neat twist, the people of Koshai also have a legend about Layla that says two sorcerers from Tahiti built the site by using magic to levitate the blocks. Sounds familiar, huh? Wow. Huh? 
What's interesting is that some modern people don't find the local legends to be so far-fetched. Some folks, like author Brad Olson, have suggested that Namadal was constructed through the use of acoustic levitation technology. Basically, you use a device, like a giant bell or something, and you make a sound the same frequency as the matter in the boulder, rendering it weightless and easily movable, literally levitating large blocks. Ride the dragon, Brad Olson. Yeah! Like fucking our tra- Treyu in the goddamn never-ending story. Fucking riding the fucking dragon. Brad Olson? How wet would he get if he was on that island? Oh, God. He'll get really wet. Oh, no. Now I'm doing it. Oh, God. Uh, there's also the possibility that Nan Madal was constructed by giants. Uh, allegedly, Ola Shippa and Ola Sopa were taller than the native Pompeians, and there are local traditions of several different kinds of giants. You got your flying humanoid giants, you got your underwater drone worker giants, and underwater monkey giants. These are your three types of giants. My favorite the baseball main team. food groups of giants. My favorite baseball team, the underwater monkey giants. <laughs> yeah, maybe New York would have better luck with their football team if they were the <laughs> underwater drone worker giants. The New York underwater drone worker giants. Maybe these huge-ass giants just friggin' lifted up these enormous basalt stones and plopped them into place, man. That would be cool as hell, huh? Yeah, for sure. Especially the underwater monkey giants. Dude. Oh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ah, ah. Ooh, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> what is it? The lead singer disturbed over here? Is that you? No, it's just an underwater monkey giant. Oh, I got confused. The uh, mysterious nature of Nan Madal's origins has made it a lightning rod for alternative history takes. Alternative history, what a joke. Historians and archaeologists and anthropologists are almost always right. And do you know why? Because they've been to those places. They've disturbed those sacred sites. And much like me, but not as good as me, they've pilfered artifacts left and right and used them to advance their careers and establish prestigious museums. They know what they're talking about. Well. Okay, North Dakota Johnson, I understand your point, but let's try to keep an open mind here, all right? Some people think that Nan Madal may be the remnants of an advanced civilization or a so-called lost continent. Not Atlantis! Nan Madal isn't in the right location for Atlantis. Right. Right. Thanks, North Dakota Johnson. I guess, I mean, we weren't going to say Atlantis. So No one's talking about that. Thanks, I guess. Anyway... In the 1926 book, The Lost Continent of Moo Motherland of Man, occultist author James Churchward uh, hypothesized that Namadal has been part of the continent called Moo. Hey, Art. Knock, knock. Did I hear a knock at the book or door? Uh, who's there? Interrupting continent. Uh, interrupting continent. Moo! <laughs> Fuck out! Oh, Jesus Christ, that's fucking it. Either you put that whip away or you're banned from the bunker, you fuck. Fuck. How hard is it to put a safety on a whip? Or just not pick it up and crack it every 10 seconds? Fuck. Fuck. Fucking hurt. Ow. Not crying. Ooh, your face is getting all wet. Stop drinking my tears, Andy. <laughs> anyway, James Churchward described the location of Moo as being, uh, quote, from somewhere north of Hawaii to the south as far as the Fijis 
and Easter Island, end quote. So yeah, it was kind of in the same general geographic vicinity of Nanmadal, but according to Churchward, Mu was the location of the biblical Garden of Eden and was home to 64 million people of the hypothesized ancient civilization Nikal. The Nikal were first described by pioneering archaeologist and photographer Augustus Laplongin in the preface to his 1896 work, Queen Mu and the Egyptian Sphinx. Laplongin was an early photographer, picking it up in the mid-1800s. He put his skills on the camera to good work when he and his wife Alice explored Mayan sites in the Yucatan, becoming some of the first modern people to photograph and explore Chichen Itza. But hey, bad news art. Augustus was anti-Jesuit. Oh, God damn it. The hits just coming and they won't stop coming. Back to the rules and you hit the ground running for old Artie. What the fuck is going on here today? I'm getting shit all over. Art is getting upset. Art is getting upset. Please just calm down. Anywho. Augustus firmly believed that the human civilization originated with the Maya and that the Maya had imparted their ancient wisdom to the ancient Egyptians via Atlantis. And even though scholars of the day uh, had pretty much come to accept the hypotheses like those espoused by the uh, Laplongians. Uh, did I say that right? Laplongians? Laplongians. Laplongians were not correct. Augustus, uh, you know, he held on to this belief. He, he, he doesn't give a fuck. Calling other archaeologists to debate him if they were, <laughs> if they were so sure they were right. <laughs> he was basically like Ben Shapiro of the late 1800s Mayanist archaeologist. He was totally based and completely Maya-pilled. Okay. Fucking debating with facts and logic. Yeah. <laughs> he, des- he destroyed conventional archaeology with facts and logic. <laughs> so in Queen Mu and the Egyptian Sphinx, Laplongin describes the Nakal as being Maya adepts who became, quote, missionaries of religion and civilization, end quote, starting first in Burma, which is now Myanmar, and eventually spreading the Maya gift of civilization all across the globe. So... As you probably already figured out, the Laplongeans' ideas about the Nikal weren't in agreement completely with Churchward's ideas. But a Churchward biography claims Churchward did discuss the Mu hypothesis with the Laplongeans. At any rate, Churchward said the Nikal civilization of Mu was at its peak 50,000 years ago, but was more advanced than ancient civilizations that appeared much later, like Egypt and the Maya. Uh, Churchward's Nikal were also more advanced than early 20th century human civilization. Uh, Churchward even says that other ancient civilizations like the Egyptians and the Maya were actually run down Nikal colonies. 1978 author and screenwriter Bill Bollinger uh, put forth the hypothesis that the Nanmandal was constructed by Greeks who deserted Alexander the Great's uh, Indian campaign army. Bunk Funker favorite, ancient astronaut theorist David Childress has suggested that Nanmandal could be part of the lost continent of Lemuria. Now, Lemuria originated in 1864, suggested by zoologist Philip Sculter. S- uh, he was scal- scalding hot. Sculter. He's a scorcher. In, in, a, in an attempt to explain why there were similar animal fossils on Madagascar and in, in India, lemur fossils, as uh, Sculter called them, but not on mainland Africa. Sculptor hypothesized that in the past, there was a continent in the Atlantic and Indian Oceans, which then split up into a bunch of pieces 
with some pieces combining with Africa and Asia. Childress also suggested that both uh, Pompeii and Corsair uh, are located at the hubs of the world energy grid, which may account for why the megalithic sites of Nanmadal and Layla uh, were constructed there. The energy grid may also have been harnessed in construction of these places. Also interesting to note, some say the locals believe Nanmadal is haunted and that they even call it the City of Ghosts. It's been said locals won't go near Nanmadal at night, but if you spend the night there, and if you spend the night there, you die. But if you spend the night there and you survive, you get your wealthy deceased uncle's inheritance. Cha-ching! Wow. Mm, worth the risk. It's also been said that the, what was this one again? Non-Marwaki? Uh, Non-Marquis. Non-Marquis have warned people not to disturb Namadal, please, no touching, because doing so is against the law. The non-marquis have even allegedly threatened archaeologists with the death penalty, some people, if they violate the law and excavate the site. That's a bullshit rule right yeah, there. Uh-huh. I don't give a fuck. I'll whip that non-marquis and loot the shit out of Nanmadal. All right, just calm down, North Dakota Johnson. You might want to rethink your policy because consider these stories of people who didn't heed the warnings of the Nan Marquis. Yeah. Jan Kubari, the Polish anthropologist, made off with some artifacts from Nan Madal in 1874. After leaving Pompeii, Kubari's boat became shipwrecked near the Marshall Islands. Kubari escaped with his life, but the treasures of Nan Madal were lost to the bottom of the sea. <laughs> oh, dear God. It's so fucking sad. All those beautiful looted antiquities lost at sea. Damn it, life is so fucking cruel. Jesus Christ. So maybe think twice before looting Nan Madal, North Dakota Johnson. Also, consider this next story. In 1907, Pompeii was under German control. Germany friggin' just straight up bought the island, among others, as part of a treaty with Spain following Spain's defeat in the Spanish-American War. Germany didn't fight in the war or anything. It's just that Spain lost the Philippines to the USA after the war and found it difficult to hold their other claims in the Pacific. So they just straight up sold them to Germany. Cha-ching! Anyway, the German governor in 1907 was Vecta Berg. Berg explored Nanmadal one day and opened a coffin. Allegedly, Berg found the skeleton, which was, which found a skeleton which was either six to nine feet tall. That's a goddamn friggin' giant. I mean, possibly of the underwater monkey giant variety. We don't know for sure, but we hope. The next morning, Berg was delirious and hallucinating, hearing a conch shell blowing and seeing orbs of light. Later that morning, Governor Berg died. Cause of death could not be determined. Last but not least, a special feature for our bunk funker, Jeremy G. Nan Madal was H.P. Lovecraft's inspiration for the city of Relia, uh, which is Cthulhu's hometown. Wow. Quote from Lovecraft, uh, the nightmare corpse city of Relia was built in measureless eons behind history by the vast, loathsome shapes that seeped down from the dark stars. There lay great Cthulhu and his hordes hidden in green slimy vaults until the end. End quote. And that's it, Bunk Funkies. Nan Madal is an awesome site of engineering marvels with many more questions than answers. The people of Pompeii have a largely oral history 
with a strong belief that no one person should know all parts of the people's history because once you tell the whole story of history, you die because you no longer have purpose. Will we ever truly learn the secrets of Nan Madal's construction? Yes. Because you boys have inspired me. I'm going to go to Nan Madal and I'm going to loot it harder than I've ever looted anything before. I'll steal so many antiquities that Jan Kubari will be rolling over in his grave from jealousy. Thank you, boys, for your inspirational takeaway message from this episode. We owe it to all people of Earth to steal as many historically significant artifacts as we can from every possible locale all over the globe and then sell those artifacts on eBay for as much profit as possible. North Dakota Johnson, away! Now we gotta get that fucking fixed. That's not what we were trying to say at all, you stupid idiot! What the fuck was that guy's problem, Andy? He already broke one window getting in. Why didn't he just leave through that fucking window? God, what a piece of fucking shit. Oh, fuck. Ah, jeez. Ah. Ooh, it stings. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, welcome back, Bunk Funkers. That was our research of Nan Madal, the ancient city of Micronesia. The city on Pompeii, off the coast of uh, off the coast of Pompeii. So many, so many things. Let's just start off by talking about what everyone's thinking, which is Micronesia. What a great season of Survivor that was. Uh, pretty sure that was uh, you know that I I don't want to spoil it. It's a great season. It's fans versus favorites. They bring back. I mean, you got poverty. You got Amanda. You got Siri. You got fucking Aziz on that season. Oh my god, the the Black Widow Alliance. You got Eric's first season. Is that season? Oh my god. You know what I'm saying? Looking at you, I know what you're saying. Which island in Micronesia were they on? Oh, I don't know. They just call it Micronesia. Oh, <laughs> the Mike. I think. I don't know how Survivor fucking does it. I feel like they contracted with the government of Micronesia. And they're like, yeah, you can have this one. It's abandoned. Here you go. Boy, Micronesia, you want to talk about a place with lots of colonization. Good Lord. What's going on? You know, people people moved in there and they set up shop. And then the Spaniards came. They took over. Yeah. Then they lost it to the Germans. Well, you're not even talking about the sorcerers and the giant fucking yeah, underwater I mean, this, monkey giants. Yeah, these sorcerers and underwater monkey giants coming too. God damn, bet you didn't see that one coming. Germans lost it to the Japanese. Japanese lost it to the United States. And then it became independent. Wow. Well, good for them. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Um, Bunkfuckers, there's something tangential that we have to talk about. 
that's not really related to the topic, but is related to it. And it is a documentary made about this very topic. It is a work of art. Um, I would say that it is a relic to be preserved almost as much as the site of Nanmadal itself. Yeah. This um, is a documentary uh, in which a young, supple, uh, handsome, uh, hunky, short shorts wearing, shirtless. David, shirtless, David Childress fucking parties his way through Micronesia trying to get to Nanmadal at some point. He's he arrives on Pompeii and after a few false starts with the paperwork is mobbed by a horde of women at the hotel where he's staying. Yeah. Uh there's a link there's a link to this in the show notes bunk bunkers and right. You know, it's not it's not really foundational for understanding this topic. Right. But it should be foundational for your life. Yeah. Essentially. It's true. Um it's it's there's there's a whole section where he uh, does karaoke. Yeah. And they decide to leave that into the documentary. It really doesn't talk about non-Madal at all. No, it's very, very limited. And who is it? You said it's narrated by somebody who's yeah, well known. A John Baldry, who was right. a singer, like a like a music singer uh, with some uh, actual like pop song hits, but also was the voice of Dr. Robotnik on the adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon series from the early 90s. And this this documentary is from around the same time period. It's from the early 90s. Right. Um, so you definitely should give it a watch because yeah. it's incredible. It's fucking amazing. And it's so sad. This was apparently, according to the YouTuber that posted it, um, this was a, supposed to be a series. This was like the pilot of a series. Right. So it seems like David Childress made this sh- series, this pilot, mm-hmm. and then pitched it. And then it... It sounds like it was going to get made, but then it didn't happen, which is really a shame. It is. It's a huge shame. Yeah. So fuck whatever network bigwig producer who didn't pick Greenlight that thing because uh, they deprived humanity of something fantastic. Oh, my God. Can you imagine, though, if that was instead of being in like 1991 or 93 or whenever it was that that came out, if that had been like 2003, that would have been greenlit so hard. It would have. It would have like he would have had that an older David Childress, that fucking thick accent had set in a little bit more because yeah. you feel like he doesn't have it as much. You don't actually see him all the. You see him a lot, but you hear John Baldry way more right. than you hear it's, in my. In my it's opinion. really heavy on John Baldry. There's a lot of narration, which he does a great job. Like yeah. he sounds awesome, but it's just like you don't hear David Childress saying that much stuff. Right. Although I do think that in the credits, like David Childress. No, he didn't write it. He was just the host. So I don't know. Who knows? They probably gave him a producer credit. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. David. David fucking Childress. Uh, excuse me, but I'm David fucking Childress. You don't fuck with my paperwork or you'll find your fucking body buried in the ground, okay? I eat fucking bureaucrats for breakfast. He says that. Word for word in the film. Yeah. He's really, really abusive. Um, This topic. I, here's the thing. Okay. I'm not going to go full on Joker mode on this one. You're not going to fucking get me to go full Joker. Okay. I'm relaxed. I'm calm. I'm with society. Okay. <laughs> I get it. I know you all want to see me go. Y'all want to see me fucking go off the rails. Have a conniption fit over these kinds of topics. Because I always do. I always do. 
Um, you want to see me go full Joker? You want to see me do that little dance down the stairs? You want to see me go on Robert De Niro's talk shows? You want to see me laugh it up? Ha ha. What am I going to? I've said my piece on these kinds of topics. I've said my piece on these kinds of topics where it's ancient civilization. How the fuck could they have done it? They don't have the tech. It's not possible. I'm not buying it. Sorry. I think this one has a little more stank on it. This is a little more stanky. What do you mean? That Blood. some fucking magicians were involved? Some some underwater monkey giants? I mean, I want underwater monkey giants to be real as much as the next guy, Andy. Trust me. If I could fucking go deep down into the marinara trench and find some fucking underwater monkey giants, I fucking would. Trust me. Okay? If I had that power, I would gift that to you, but I don't. You've asked. You've asked. You've asked. Now I'm going full Joker mode. Thanks a lot, Andy. You've asked. You said, Art, when are you going to get me these underwater monkey giants? Art, all I want for Christmas is two underwater monkey giants. And I'm saying, Andy, I can't. I can't go that deep. They don't have the tech to go into the marinara trench yet. I can't get you those underwater monkey giants. I got you these fucking, these regular sea monkeys. They're not giants. You said, I don't want that fucking shit. You throw the fucking thing at my face. It's a huge part of our lore. Big, big, big thing between Andy and I. He wants underwater monkey giants. I can't deliver it. I'm sorry. I've been asking for so long. Underwater monkey giants is the only thing I want in this world. And nobody will fucking get them for me. God. <laughs> what other stank could there be on this one? Well, I think that the stank on it is really that these are, first of all, one thing that this has going for it that like intrigue that it doesn't have, I guess, that other sites like this have is that there's not much fashioning of the blocks, right? Yeah. Like these already happen naturally in these shaped. kind of formation. They're like hexagonal or pentagonal. And so there's even though the blocks are shaped geometrically, that's less by design of the people and more just designed by nature. These blocks are naughty by nature. And but I think <sighs> the transportation of them is the thing that gets me. Yeah. Is that the the people on Pompeii, if we're to believe the, the history on Pompeii, they did not have pulleys yeah. to like lift these blocks into place. And if you look at the pictures of Pompeii, it's like clear that these things were constructed almost to the edge of the islets on which they sit. Right. So they're covering pretty much every square space of ground. So if you think about oh, they're going to build like a log ramp to move this up. Eventually, you're going to run out of space to do that because you would have to build up three sides of the building and then that fourth side to build it up, you either have to build more landfill around so that you can have the ramp or you're doing some other kind of technique. And I just, I feel like the, um, this is probably one of the lighter skeptics takes. True. In terms of these megalithic construction. They're throwing where, a lot of things at the wall. I mean, I was pretty convinced by the skeptics take on Rapa Nui on Easter Island. Sure. We both were. Because there was some good good work done about actually moving a Moai with only a few people. Pompeii suffers from all the same problems that Rapa Nui does in terms of understanding how people did it. There was not that many people. These are humongous stones. Now, granted, at Pompeii, not all of them are that big. You know, there's like one stone that's like 50 tons. Wow. 
But not every stone is 50 tons. It's still a lot of rocks to move for sure. And they were working over only a period of 400-ish years. But when you think about it, it's a long time. Do we know that the islets that these were built on didn't change over time geographically? How do you mean? Like they, maybe there was more land there and over time it's eroded and, and it like the wall, like it's either sunk oh. or been lost. It's in, possible. Turned into an islet. It wasn't one at first. It's possible because the water sea levels are rising. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. The, there's some parts of it that are underwater now that probably weren't underwater when it was built. Right. So it's possible there was more Is it land. not also true, Andy, that things underwater are lighter yeah. than they are when they're in the air? Yeah, you have if it's buoyant, you have some buoyancy you can use. Although people tend to say that when you put these big stones on the raft, the raft just sinks. Now, you know, I guess the... I guess the real trick with it is nobody knows what kind of techniques they were using no. because they don't do it anymore. They stopped right. doing it. It's after so the ancient. No one wrote it down. And they have no written history. It's mainly oral history. And again, it's, there's, there's, it's culturally normal on Pompeii for there to be secrecy about things. And it's not so much people are trying to keep a secret, but it's that belief that if you tell, you tell the whole story of, your people, you die because you stop being useful. That's true. I've heard you listen. I've heard you actually tell your life story and I died of boredom. Yeah, exactly. And I was never useful to begin with. So I'm sort of an anomaly in that respect, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I think um, the David Childress um, sizzle reel documentary fucking proof of concept uh, show brought up something, this idea that the the stones are magnetized. Mm-hmm. And they could have potentially used motherfucking magnets, like a fucking bullet train, like Japanese bullet train style. Like, it's so funny, too, that that show was from like the early 90s. And like, they're like, Japan might have this in the very near future. It's like, yeah, we're so far in the future already. <laughs> yeah. Like their trains are so much fucking doper than they could imagine. Um, But um, they could have used magnet magnets and literally levitated the rocks. Which is pretty fucking cool to think about. Like yeah. these ancient people being like, oh, fuck, like this shit's all magnetized. Like you can float this shit. Yeah. With magnets. Yeah. I think that's one of those things too that it's, it's like. It's a monorail. It's a great idea, but. <laughs> you don't, you're not buying it. We don't have any evidence. We don't have any evidence of anything. Right. Exactly. So everything's wrong. I don't, you know how I get. I get all Joker mode when it comes to these fucking. I know these topics. They but get me so I, riled up. You know what? I appreciate that you do because you stand up for ancient people. I'm an ancient person because I feel like a lot. Of I'm times, an old man. I, one of my big gripes with ancient astronaut stuff, sure, is that I feel like it really discounts the ingenuity and skill of ancient people. We live in a modern world. We live in a society. Fuck, I'm doing it. Oh, God, he's going full Joker mode again. We live in a modern world, Andy. There's so many conveniences for us. There's yeah. so many. Our fucking physiology is different. There's things that, like, like, we have problems that fucking people never had before. Yeah. 
Now, obviously, we've done like we have problems that other people like we have, you know, advances in medicine and advances in tech that let us right. live super fucking long. All that bullshit. Right. But yeah. like. I don't think that ancient people had to deal with uh, trying to fix their interior pelvic tilt. Like I do today. Yeah. They didn't have fucking posture issues. Right. You know what I'm saying? They probably did, but well, maybe they did, but they were walking around a lot. They weren't sitting all day. Yeah. You had to get something. You had to go. Yeah. <laughs> you had yeah. To go somewhere and walk and move. That's, and, that's true. And so I, I just, I just think that this idea that like, like they're just, I, they're not like ancient people were not fucking Neanderthals. Yeah. They were humans or homo sapiens. Some of them were. Sure. But, but they eventually died out. We're getting the timelines mixed up here. We act like these ancient people are just so fucking brain dead. Yeah. It's like, no, like they, they had more knowledge and they had more concepts of how to it, intuitively figure things out than you realize. Yeah. Than we ever realize. Well, and you, you have to think about this in the timeline of humanity too. Right. These constructions were taking place after the year 1000. Mm -hmm. So the pyramids by this point are already what 3000 years old yeah like by this point they're very very old so i understand that there's not as much cross pollination globally in human ideas at this point in history but this concept of megalithic building wouldn't be new um you know there's just not as many examples of it in Pacific Islands, as there are in other places in right. the world. But it's hard to live in the Pacific Islands. There's probably a lot of factors that contribute to that. I mean, yeah. when you think about Egypt, Egypt had places to quarry stone. Yeah. They had ways to transport them across the terrain that ass river. was there. The same thing in Mesoamerica. There are places to quarry stones. You yeah. can like drag things across big ass land or whatever, big ass rivers. Uh. When you're talking about in a place like what is now the Federated States of Micronesia, mm -hmm. it's a lot of relatively small islands. You know, there's not like Australia is a huge island. Oh, yeah. Dwarfing the size of all of the landmass. A lot of dwarves live there. Yeah. A lot of dwarves live there. Grumpy, <laughs> sleepy. Dopey. No, you're right. It's 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 they're they're just a it's a fucking shit ton of small little islands. And yeah, they are merciless these islands they never stop samoa like all these little islands the rain the torrential the fucking weather it it breeds fucking like warriors and like motherfucking like hard-ass motherfuckers yeah Pompeii. this is not like it's paradise a lot of the time right but then like watch a lot of survivor sometimes it's not fun to live in these areas that rain does not stop well, yeah, that's the thing is, is you Doesn't see stop. it's wet. <laughs> it's so wet. Yeah. Well, you see the, you see Pompeii and if you, if you catch like images of it or mm. video of it on a really nice day, oh, it's so beautiful. It's fucking paradise. I, you would go there in a heartbeat, but then White you also. beaches, crystal clear water, fruity drinks. You also have to consider that it's probably raining two thirds of the year or something. Yeah. It's raining a lot. Yes. And also it's, it's brutal. It's hot as fuck because yeah. this place is right near the equator. So right. it's hot. It's fucking humid. 
bugs. I, I look at it and I say, this looks beautiful. But I bet if I went there, I'd be like, this kind of fucking sucks. Because this is so hot. It's yeah. so humid. I can't stop. If I lived on Pompeii, I doubt I would ever stop sweating. <laughs> I would probably lose 50 pounds just from constant you sweating. You probably would. And it's funny, too, reading some of the research for this. Even I think there's uh, an article from Smithsonian Magazine uh, talking about this situation with Nan Madal. And the the author of the article says uh, the basically what's happening is he's talking to uh, an archaeologist, the only archaeologist on Pompeii. And the archaeologist is helping arrange a meeting between this journalist and the non-marquee, the guy that the, the, the non-marquee that oversees the Nan Madal site and the big daddy, right? The big daddy. And part of the article says I'm sweating. And my guide who is the archeologist is also sweating. Like they just, they throw that in there, which I think <laughs> it's funny, but it's also, it's very useful color because right. it helps to know that. Yeah. Even though this place is beautiful, like it's really fucking hot and humid. It's a brutal, it's a brutal, part of the world um i'm not saying that as a pejorative either i'm just saying that it like you got to think of like what kind of people would plop down there and be like this is where we're fucking staying and it's like like it just breeds tough people is what i'm saying and tough people are the type of people who could build these badass fucking monuments now here's the thing we also don't know you can cut stone with water it's a Mm -hmm. famous way to cut stones yeah everything is wet here what if they had some ancient way of wet cutting stone? I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how they would do that. But maybe they figured it out because it's raining all the time. Maybe they could use the slippery wet ground and they make fucking, I don't know. I don't know. They figured out some fucking mudslide bullshit or something. I don't fucking know. It's wet. You could yeah. do stuff with that. Yeah. Slipping is hiding. Maybe they put down big leaves and you could slide these blocks all over the place. I don't know. Yeah. It would be interesting to see slime. Yeah. Maybe there's slime. Caloric slime. Maybe there's some kind of acid or corrosion that we didn't know about. Some kind of thing that that they just figured out. Because when you have no distractions and a bunch of people, humans are pretty fucking intuitive. We have big brains. Yeah. We're big brained, like five head fucking, like smart ass fucking critters. That's why we rule this planet. And we fuck it up. We fuck this planet's ass. Yeah. This planet was no fucking match for us. We won. <laughs> Humans won planet zero. Mars, you're next, bitch. Yeah, watch out. <laughs> you think it's bad now? Wait till we're done with you, bitch. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be terraformed to fuck. <laughs> you're going to be so fucked up. We're going to make you look nice just to fucking destroy you. Yep. Um, what do you think about acoustic levitation? I think that's dope. Isn't that very cool? That sounds fucking cool as hell. What if they figure that out? And it's legitimately like a scientific thing. It's possible. It's just, I think the eggheads will often say, while this is a concept that's possible and it's been done, what you would need to do to move a block that's 50 tons sure. is sort of unknown to science Sure. at this point. Um, I love ideas like that because that is like the stuff I'm always talking about. These are people who lived in an area and had nothing but time on their hands. I mean, nothing but time. And humans are real fucking good at practicing making it perfect. Muscle memory. 
It's like one of our most adaptive fucking skills. Mm-hmm. You know, we're so fucking good at it. We're like S tier at fucking adapting our skills. S tier critters. Yeah. You know, you take a fucking tiger and you put it in like a fucking in the snow. And be like, what the fuck? I don't know what to do. Maybe. I don't know. You get what I'm fucking saying. Aren't there tigers in Siberia? There though? are, but they're Siberian tigers. I'm talking about like a jungle tiger. A, ba- a Bengal tiger? Maybe a Bengal. <laughs> uh, it was a bad example. Okay. Um, anyway. Uh, you know what I'm saying, though? You take a critter that's somewhere. Like, Wait, I think I lost adapt. the point. They don't know how to adapt as well as humans. We're very oh, good I at see. adapting. So maybe somebody on this ancient Pompeii tribe figured out that, oh, shit. If I play this sound this exact way, and I do it exactly the right way, that thing like moves or breaks or does something else. Like what? Like it's like A causes B. I know that. So then, now that you've established that A causes B, you can perfect and teach how to, how A causes B, and then they do that to their whole society. And then their whole society is now fucking really good at cause A causing B. So then they can start being like, oh shit. It's like fucking Mario 64 speedrunning. Like people people thought thought you needed like 20 stars to do a Mario 64 speedrun. Then somebody's like, oh shit, you only need 16 because you can do this. You can BLJ. When people figured out what the BLJ was, the backwards long jump, you can jump up those those regenerative stairs past the 70 star door on Bowser's castle to get to the last level. BLJ up those stairs. Okay. Okay. What if the ancient Pompeians discovered the BLJ? That's what I'm fucking saying. Wow. Then people discovered Andy. People in this, it's like speedrunning. People discovered, oh shit, you can beat Mario 64 without any stars. Zero stars. All you have to do is beat Bowser three times. That's it. Zero stars. You don't have to collect a single fucking star in that game. And people figured out how to do it. And someone, you could. The world record, you can beat that game in like under five minutes. Don't underestimate humanity's ability to figure shit out. Mario 64 speedrunning proves it. Mario 64 speedrunning. That's my theorem. This is my PhD dissertation right now. How did the people of Pompeii build Nan Madal? Super Mario 64 speedrunning. All right, in the game of Super Mario 64. <laughs> There's a lot of fun stuff to sink your teeth and do with this one. There yeah, really is. There is. There really is. And these ruins are pretty impressive still. They're cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Not like magma. Yeah. Magma. magma. Hard magma. Um, I tend to favor a more, I guess, logical. What do you mean logical? Well, I just feel like acoustic. Not Mario 64. The acoustic, it's very cool. <laughs> it's the acoustic, very cool. magnetic, uh, I find those both very cool. It's just one of those things where they would be literally the only people who figured this out, as far as we know. And doing it on a scale that, even though we understand it now, we don't, we don't even use it. So I kind of question, like, what would they have used that would make a tone... That could levitate the blocks, you know? It's a fun idea. I'm just not totally convinced. What do you think they did? I think it's probably just manpower. Yeah. 
I mean, just at the end beefy of the day, dudes. Yeah, just beefy, big hunky beefy dudes. Be, big hunky beefy dudes. I mean, I think that I think that's one thing that that you kind of find out is that as these things go on, and they do more research into a lot of these large structures, is there are actually ways of doing things with less manpower than we think. And that's what I'm fucking talking about. A small, a relatively small number of people who are completely dedicated to a task can do a lot in a shorter amount of time than we would think. Yes. So I, I have to give the people of Pompeii credit, I think where it's due because I think they probably just built this through their sheer ingenuity and efforts. I said this on pyramids. I probably said this on the fucking Rapa Nui episode too. I don't fucking remember. Um, like if you view this temple as a thing for your gods, I mean, you know, what the fuck? Like people can go above and beyond. They can go limitless. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've seen people lift cars. Save little babies' lives. We're trapped under these cars. Someone parks a car on top of a baby. Lady, she's going into a shop. She puts her baby down for one second to tie her shoe. Shoegalace came with them. She puts the baby down. For one second, Andy, some motherfucker comes, parks their car over that baby. <laughs> that mother, that mother is us. Oh, is so freaked out. So what does she do? She lifts that car, Andy, with her bare fucking hands. She deadlifts the car, scoops up her baby, and scolds that person for parking on top of her baby. <laughs> Even though I find the mother at fault, because why did she put her baby down in that parking spot? <laughs> this has happened throughout humanity. This is a true fact. <laughs> this is a common problem all throughout history. We've seen this time and time again. <laughs> People are talking about this. People are saying this is an issue in society. We live in a society where a mother can't tie her shoe and put her baby down in a parking lot. <laughs> in a monkey's face. <laughs> the mother was using the baby to hold the parking space. While the dad she was calling dibs. She exerts all that effort, uses 100% of her muscles, tears her biceps. I mean, I admire this baby for still being alive after the car drove over it. Because <laughs> presumably it didn't just end up under the car. <laughs> that well, it was like the the tire rolled over it. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. This is a resilient baby. Super family. Yeah. 9-11. That happened. <laughs> just reminding you of that. 9-11. People lifted people, yeah. carried them down flight. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, people that you would never think would have the, it'd be people like me who have an office job, you know, fireman carrying coworkers or whatever. Right. And everyone else probably, if I, if they saw me doing that during any other time would be like, you're probably going to die. Like you, you shouldn't lift somebody like that. You're very unhealthy. You have no stamina. Well, that's actually what I'm saying. And you get winded sitting at the desk. You get winded trying to figure out what nobody, you want for lunch. Nobody trusts you, yeah. I get winded scrolling my phone. Yeah. What am I going to get today? Oh, my thumbs are so tired. Yeah, I'm going to have to lay down. I don't know, Andy. I think we got a lot to chew into here. I'm ready for some verdicts. I think bunkfuckers know where I'm going. I'm trying not to go full Joker mode, but I've already done it. 
I've done it again. I wish I wouldn't. I'm very sorry, and I apologize. <laughs> we're going to do more of these kinds of topics in the future, Bunk Funkers. We're going to do... get me pissed off. We're going to get Art going full Joker mode on Puma Punku, <laughs> ball back. Uh, we're going to get him going full Joker on Cheech yeah. and Itza. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm ready for a verdict. I'm going case confirmed. Holy shit. Pompeii, uh, Nan Madal was built through the hands of the Pompeians. Oh, fuck. I'm giving them all the credit they're due, and I'm going full green for the Holy Pompeians. Holy shit. Very cool. Case confirmed. Congratulations, Pompeians. I'm sure that means a lot to you. I do like all the lore surrounding this, though. Oh, the, the lore. We didn't the even giants, talk. It's fucking fantastic. The giants and stuff. It's pretty fun. It's great lore. Yeah. I like the uh, sorcerers. sorcerer bros, twin yeah. sorcerers. Very cool origin story. A flying dragon? Hello? When I got involved in this and looking at this research, I was not expecting to find twin sorcerers no. coming. Island-hopping twin sorcerers looking for a place to build a religious altar and somehow have a dragon also. And the dragon comes up so little. This is how unimportant the dragon was. Right. The dragon helped build it. We don't know anything else about the dragon. It's relegated to the side. Yeah. The footnote. So that's how great a story this is, is that the dragon's not even the focal point. Right. Just is there. Um, so I'm giving, I'm giving the Pompeians case confirmed. Couldn't agree with you more. I'm, I'm not going to match you, but I am going to say uh, I'm going to go with plausible plus that the ancient Pompeians use some kind of cool method. I want to believe that they use either acoustic levitation, wow. magnetic levitation, yeah. Ancient water cutting, ancient water transportation, mm -hmm. some kind of cool thing that like was lost to society because these people believe so heavily in an oral tradition only. Yeah. They maybe they were someone who figured out something cool, something unique to their setting, Micronesia. Um, it has to involve water in some way. And so, um, I think there's just something involved with that, and it's just that's my head cannon, and I'm not dropping it. You can buy my fan fiction, or you can read it on my Tumblr, or not. I don't give a fuck. That's my verdict. I'm also in the green, though, and I do believe that, um, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not discounting their uh, manpower, but I do think that they. I like the idea that they discovered some kind of cool trick and thing, and they're like, "This is fucking dope. Let's build a badass." site monument megalithic structure and be total fucking um ballers with our flying dragon and our twin sorcerer brother gods what i think happened <laughs> so bug great bunkers, verdict let us know what you think email are us. you going full joker mode on this bug oh my god we didn't do it we gotta do a hashtag oh fuck me wow i yeah. think we forgot a hashtag last week oh my god oh fuck we're off our game. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Season four, we don't care anymore. We don't give a fuck. Use. What's the hashtag? Use the hashtag. Uh, giant. Underwater right. monkey giant. Underwater, it's either underwater monkey giant or sorcerer bros 64. That one's way better. <laughs> Sorcerer Bros 64. Let us know what you think of this topic of Namadal. Uh, email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at mrbunkerpod. 
Uh, find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash, uh, it's just Google Mr. Bunker Pod. You'll find it. <laughs> Do whatever. And, uh, or go to our website, www.mrbunkersconspiracy.com. Find links to everything and our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Five bucks a month will get you access to our Patreon only show, Andy and Art Debunked. Tons of back catalog of content on there. I mean, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Lots of great stuff. We're getting we're getting very positive feedback from the bunk funkers who are enjoying this for the first time. They're enjoying a lot of the weird things we're doing on there. That made it sound creepy. Um, we do weird, um, offbeat things that <laughs> many people would find offensive, but the bunk funkers are really enjoying. Oh yeah, they love it. Um, yeah, and I mean, there's there's tons of other stuff you can get access to as well. Um. Andy, yeah, Art. Are you going to ask me if I have any last words? Yeah. Uh, do you have uh, anything else that you uh, you want to say about Nanmadal before we uh, put some pants on David Childress and get him talking about ancient aliens a little bit more? <laughs> uh, I will say, if you pick, if you pick, if you if you are a, a research hog. And you go into the links and you like to look at the research. Definitely check out the the um, Lost Cities documentary. Right. Yeah, the Lost Cities episode. Uh, there's also a clip of um, Eric Von Daniken's podcast with David David Childress. And I don't know why I find it so funny that it's David Childress on Zoom and Eric Von Daniken sitting in front of like a green screen. <laughs> Um, talking into a microphone, and at some point, Eric Von Daniken clearly pulls a tissue out of his pocket. Oh and puts God! It on the desk. It's such an old man move. Chariots <laughs> uh, of the running noses. Yeah, but it's mostly them just, uh, you know, stroking each other off about oh, their yeah. next book projects. Oh fuck yeah! So so wet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um. Maybe for those two, but for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my um, laissez aller. Laissez aller. Let's say LA. Co host Andy Hart. I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. That was non mark yummy. <laughs> yeah, it kind of made sense. No, it didn't. Fuck. <laughs>Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.